Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Ginny. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I got it right this time. <laughs> I'm Allie. Is that your impression of what I sound like? No. Oh, I was okay. just <laughs> teasing you because you were like, I got it. I got my own name. And I was like, well, I'm going to... Now I'm explaining you the said joke. It with, it's not even no, funny. no, 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 no. No, I understood that part, but you did it with a different cadence than you say your name. Oh, so that was just because like, I was trying that to be was funny. Your, okay, I no. wasn't sure if that was a like. This is what Jenny sounds like. No, you sound way cooler than that. Oh, phew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It sounded fine. It was just different. Um, I could talk so, like that the whole time. Like, no, it's Bobby. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so this week we're going to talk about I Only Have Eyes For You, which is a great episode, and then also mm-hmm. Go Fish, which is another one that I really like for whatever reason. It's uh, silly maybe fun. A lot of funny, <laughs> like, aught, early aughts superstars wedged in the background. Yes! Oh my gosh. Both of these episodes had a lot that. of weird cameos, not cameos, right, but just like a lot of people in them in the background. Like but, um, early careers of <clears throat> people that you like recognize. Yeah, exactly. I kept being yeah. like, wait, is that so-and-so? Wait, wait. Um, but yeah, I don't know. If people can't tell, I have a, I'm fight, finishing fighting off a cold. So sorry if I cough and blow my nose into the microphone. Allie said she's yeah, going to edit, edit it out, but if we miss anything. we come back from a wedding <laughs> and all of our friends got sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except me. I didn't get sick. I think it was more so, I think it was one of those things too, where it was like, we were so busy for so many, you know, like it was just a lot of like not resting mm-hmm. after I was maybe getting sick. I don't know. I haven't been sick in a long time and I hate it. I always think it's not that bad, but it's always terrible. It's always fascinating to me how much like a cold, which theoretically is like the least sick you can get, mm-hmm. right? Like just like levels you. Like yeah. it's like, cause you're just constantly miserable. Exactly. I was just like, oh, my head just hurts all yeah. the time now. Anyway. Yeah. It's like so I'm, weird how you take for granted, like, oh, every day there's not crap coming out of my nose and my throat exactly, doesn't yeah. hurt and I can breathe normally. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, then when you can't, you're like, I literally want to do nothing because yeah. I can't exist like this. Yeah. So, um, well, that's, that's my update in life is that I got a cold. Uh, I also went well, to a show... So the other thing is that I really should have stayed home from work on Friday and, like, rested then. But I had tickets to a live My Brother, My Brother, and Me taping. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to not go to that. But it was the right choice because um, Lin-Manuel Miranda was there. And he opened, he did, like, a song for them at the beginning, which was pretty cool. And he high-fived my boyfriend so in line. So they are, like, really They're friends. good friends now? Yeah. Yeah. There's a reference to them in Hamilton. Which was maybe they weren't, they might not have been good friends then. I don't remember exactly how it panned out. I think he, he must have just been a fan and then at some point said something to them. Like he was, he was on an episode before Hamilton came out too, just like, I mean, he had already won a Tony for In the Heights, so it's not like he was a nobody, but um, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing that happens. Wait, what's the reference in Hamilton? Um, I mean, it's subtle. You, uh, he, in the song where they all, in the second act, when they confront Hamilton, um, with like, they think they've caught him embezzling money and it was just him covering mm-hmm. up his affair. Haha, <laughs> just an affair. It was no big deal. Um, God, what's the name of that song? 
well, it's not important, but they, they, they're basically threatening him. Right. And, uh, he said, Hamilton says, unless, and then they sing back unless this is like a little part where they say, unless, unless that's like an old joke from, from them where they used to always say that. Unless. Somebody would say, unless they'd be giving a long winded explanation of advice. And then one of the other brothers would cut in and say, unless, and the other two would chime back unless, and then they would go off giving some even worse advice. Mm, I think um, the song is called We Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's We Know. Yes. Unless we know. No, that's not uh, how it goes. No, because unless, not- unless. <laughs> uh, anyway. So that's a, some weird trivia for everybody who maybe, if you didn't know it, there's I a know podcast that, the, that Lin-Manuel is a fan of and you put the a reference to it. The one episode that I listened to on the mm-hmm. way to New York was mm-hmm. they were talking about the new DuckTales and how... Yeah. The one guy, like, basically made something up on air. Like, oh, I bet if they got Lin-Manuel to do this or whatever. And oh, then yeah. he, like, called them and was, like, pissed. He's like, who <laughs> told you? <laughs> they were like, wait, what? <laughs> we were just joking. <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah. So it was a pretty good time. And it was at this awesome theater in Brooklyn called the King's Theater, which, like, reopened a few years ago. So it was just, like, a really, you know, it was just, like, a really decadent old school theater it was pretty big too you have to be careful with those one time i went to like a i think it was a golden girls drag show in san francisco and fortunately it was during the intermission but part of the ceiling just dropped down right next to oh my god yeah and it was like had the piano player been sitting there he would be dead oh my god well, I mean, or just seriously concussed, but like, yeah. seriously, like half That's the audience terrifying. was like out, like using the bathroom and then the rest of us were like sitting there and you just heard this noise and like, everyone was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's so weird. I've never heard of yeah, that happening. Like, it was just some of the crown molding just like went plop. Snap. Was that in the mission? Yeah. I mean, in the mission or in the Castro? I think or it neither. was in the mission okay. and I might be getting my shows confused, but I do think it was when I went to see the Golden Girls one. I don't okay. know. I've... I've been to a lot of drag shows in San Francisco, apparently. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember if it was a Sex in the City one or the Golden Girls one, mm. but I think it was the Golden Girls one. Um, it's, it's the same people that do that. Yeah, but I that could have been the beginning of, like, a really tragic yeah. ghost story. Yeah. It was, it also, was weird. I, yeah. I mean, the performance was very good, but yeah. the, the intermission uh, got a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so then, you know, they had to kind of, like, pause and clean up and then like make sure no one else was gonna like get dropped but was it anywhere where well I guess it just make gives like everyone puts everyone in a state of tension for the rest of the show thinking that that might happen to them like staring next. at the ceiling yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe putting your hand over your head a little bit yeah I mean I was I think I was like sitting up in the balcony so like there wasn't anything in danger of dropping on me but like I think everyone on the stage was a little bit like okay yeah <laughs> yeah that was weird how was your, your first two days back, living your normal life? I know, I haven't, I've only not seen yeah. you in, like, four days. It's weird. It's weird. I, like, I feel like I just saw you. Like, I feel, I'm like, what, what can I tell you? <laughs> I, know. I, know. I just went over the saga of buttercream <laughs> yesterday. I don't really want to go into that. I had a, I've been making a cake all weekend, and it, the cake is delicious. I just had some for breakfast. But the, um, the frosting part has thrown yeah. me for a loop. And I'm going to serve it to people and just not yeah. tell them that it's, a terrible example of cream cheese buttercream. But you know what I've realized is that if you don't tell yeah. people, they usually don't yeah. notice. So Ugh, 
That's you know, gonna be my plan. Learned. See how long I can keep my mouth shut and not like serve it with an asterisk. Don't don't you know? don't be like Ruby. I just finished that season yesterday. Yes. Oh my god. Okay. I just finished one. I don't need, I don't know what season so, it is because Netflix tells you crazy seasons for Great British Bake Off. Um, I think, I think it's, it's like three or four. Three yeah. or four. I think she's one of the earlier ones. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are yeah. confused, Ruby is a contestant on Great British Bake Off on one of the earlier mm-hmm. seasons, and she was like the Eeyore. Totally. Of the like, everything Every time she, was yeah. wrong. Everything. And like, she ended up making it to well, the final hey, season, hey, which hey, is crazy. Oh. But like, she would literally... Okay, well, spoiler. Oops, I'm We spoil Buffy. We don't spoil other <laughs> things. <laughs> oh, well. I'm so sorry. I thought you'd say I had, you just I finished, finished it. I just meant for other people. Oh. Eh, who cares? You know what, though? This is like five I mean, I would have been ago. mad okay, if it were... But if it, if you had spoiled it for me, I didn't spoil who wins, no. but you don't know she could have won. I actually don't. I, no, I mean I did see the finale. But, I know who won. <laughs> um, but she every time she presents her stuff to the judges, she's like, "Here you go," and they're like, "Wow," and she's like, "It's really bad." But like more <laughs> like, than that, why too? would you tell yeah. them this? And they're always saying it. I don't know. I understand that inclination. It's funny because I had a lot of arguments with people about this. Not like arguments, but just discussions about like. Is she being genuine oh, or is it? This is how I serve food yeah. to people all the I was time. Like, I get but it. Like, it's tough, but if they're judging my food, I want to like make them think it's yeah. good. So you don't already put them in the mind. Don't of point like, out the flaws. Yeah, it's bad. That's the stuff you say to yourself yeah. to convince yourself to have low expectations so that you're pleased when things turn out well. But you don't say that stuff out loud. That's at least that's yeah, my. I don't think she smiled once that entire <laughs> season. It was yeah. Anyway, that's not my plan. I'm not gonna be like. Well, I mean, it's probably what's going to end up happening. No, no, no. I'm telling you, don't do it. to be like, go watch one of those episodes. Look how pretty. The cake tastes really good. <laughs> so ignore the frosting. Because they might be able to ignore the frosting. I'm not 100% sure once I defrost it if it will actually stay on the mm. cake. So um, that's why I'm going to get some photos while it's chilled. Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to talk about my buttercream fiasco okay. anymore. We'll talk about um, dramatic Buffy episodes okay. instead. Yes. Ghost dancing. Ghost dancing. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about I Only Have Eyes for You. I mean, we've been mentioning it every episode about how excited we were to watch it. <laughs> uh, like, we've been talking about it for Did weeks. Jordan say this was his favorite episode? Oh, did he? Or one of his favorites? Yeah, maybe. I think maybe. so. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a really it totally good lived up to everything I remembered. I really like it. Um, I have some... I, have, I do have some nitpicks, but... Um, but yeah, so you want to just get into it? Yeah, do you want to do the um, the recap sure. or do you want me to? No, I'll do this one. This is really, you know, it's occurring to me this is the kind of stuff we should hash I out s- before. Shh, shh, don't be like Ruby. No, 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 this is how, this is oh, how podcasts no, work. No, no, this is amazing. <laughs> our, our, our pre-planning is wonderful. Yeah. Everyone, this is the most organized exactly, podcast exactly. ever. Um, Okay, okay, so I'm not gonna be Ruby. I'm I don't know who the overconfident contestant was, but I'll just be Paul Hollywood. Paul Hollywood. <laughs> okay, um, so I think I'll, I can make this one sort of quick. <clears throat> Buffy. Okay. This episode opens up on Buffy moping in the bronze because she's still been moping over Angel, which is fair. Um, you know, some guy tries to hit on her, and she's like not interested. They mention that a Sadie Hawkins dance is going on. A guy asks her to the Sadie Hawkins dance, which is not how it's supposed to work. Um, I know. But, yeah, so, meanwhile, we see a flashback, or not, cut away to the school, not a flashback, it's happening at the same time, and uh, a couple, a boy and a girl, are having a fight in the hallway. 
that's like quickly escalating and seems really intense. Um, all of a sudden the boy like pulls out a gun and Buffy had gone back to school to talk to Giles. And so she's able to stop him from, from shooting her and the gun disappears and it's all really weird. The two students who were fighting seem like they don't really know. They don't really remember it exactly. Um, but everybody goes on their way the next day or over the next couple days, maybe, I don't know, at school, um, like mysterious things continue to happen just during the course of the day. Like one of the teachers writes something kind of like, um, I can't think of the word. He writes some like curse words on the chalkboard on accident. He writes, don't walk away from me. Yeah. And then Xander like gets attacked by a locker monster and there's snakes everywhere at lunch. So, you know, pretty soon Giles puts two and two together and decides that there's a poltergeist haunting the school. Um, So now they just have to figure out, you know, who it is and what, how to, how to get them away. Giles is convinced that it's Jenny, Ms. Callender, who was killed in the last episodes, Um, but it becomes apparent that in fact, it wasn't her. It's a student who, um, in the fifties at Sunnydale high school was having an affair with one of the teachers. And then he ended up shooting her on the balcony. So, uh, oh, you know, throughout this, uh, multiple people get possessed by the same ghosts as the two, the couple at the beginning. So it's like then the janitor and a random teacher, you know, get possessed. And then it culminates in Buffy and Angel getting possessed, except this time swapped the swapped with, the um, the shooter, James, the guy, the yeah, the genders swapped. get swapped and he's possessing Buffy and the teacher is possessing Angel and they act out. They're able to act out the scene past the end point because Angel doesn't get killed when he gets shot. And then they solve the ghost problem. And then Angel's mad yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, I that's, think that's... I have so many questions about the mechanics of this, though. I do, too. And, yeah. Um, but I think before we get into the heavy stuff, can I say how happy I am to see Principal Snyder back in this episode? He's been missing yes. for so long, and I missed him terribly. He, and he well, I does think... not disappoint. He comes back no. making fun of a pathetic no-life vegan who has chained himself to the vending machine. <laughs> like, I had to rewind that line. I laughed at that line. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And he's, Um, yeah. Also, that's a good thing to mention because we do get Snyder back, but we also get... So before, Uh I think it was in School Hard, we got hints that, like, maybe someone in the city government, like, they kind of know what's going on Mm -hmm. a little bit, like, more than we would have otherwise thought. Yeah. But this is the first time we get outright confirmation that city council knows what's up, and also, Uh I got so excited, and he was like, you wouldn't want me to have to take this to the mayor. Yeah, yeah. I was like, but we do, we do want you to take (laughs) it to the mayor. So confirmation that Snyder is there, Snyder knows everything, that he's involved in all the cover-ups, that the city council is involved in everything. Yeah, and Snyder actually uses the word hellmouth. So yeah, they know, that's true. like, for real, what's up. Yeah, they don't just think it's something fishy they know enough. It's um, unclear if they know Buffy's the Slayer, though. That's true. I don't think that he does know. I, yeah. Again, I, I feel like we... Oh, maybe I was talking to Alex about this and not you, but I feel like that Snyder knows that she's not just a troublemaker. Like, he does know that she's fighting demons, but I don't, I don't think he knows that she's mm-hmm. the Slayer. 
Well, he should be able to figure out because, he, as he says, he knows conspiracy because he saw JFK. Well, that's true. So, <laughs> I don't know how he hasn't figured it out. <laughs> uh, it is weird sometimes how they kind of mix and match with how easy, how prevalent pe- it is that people know what a Slayer is. Or, you know, not people, obviously, yeah. but, like, anybody involved in the supernatural. Sometimes it's like, yeah, everyone's heard of the Slayer, and sometimes it's like, what? So. Um, but maybe it's one of those things where, like, it depends on your, like, your book collection, like, you know, like how right. Giles has all his books on the occult. Like, sure. maybe other people have books and they talk about this, like, slayer, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's a myth in her own right, I suppose. Yeah. Um, also, I really love Snyder's line when he's like, you stink of lies. Yeah. <laughs> and when he said he's going to keep looking until he figures out exactly how it's her fault. Everything, literally everything he yeah. said made me laugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's great. I... I'm wondering if, so early on, not early on the episode, but um, in the middle of the episode when the teacher is writing curse words on the on the chalkboard, Buffy has like a hallucination, I don't know, a dream, where she's back in time in 1955 or whatever when this incident is supposed to have occurred, the like shooting between the student and the teacher. So she's, she keeps getting glimpses of what actually mm-hmm. happened. And I'm curious if that is a slayer power or if that, you know, again, well, like, what are the so exact was, mechanics? Because she didn't fall asleep in class, or at least it didn't look like it. No, so this was what I was wondering, because I think at <clears throat> first you're supposed to think, like, she fell asleep in class because right. she's looking a little drowsy, and then she kind of wakes up to the teacher, like, you know, writing yeah. on the chalkboard. But then later it happens again, and she's just kind of walking down the hallway. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear, like, if this is, if she's able to do this because she has these prophetic dream mm-hmm. powers or if, as she says later in the episode James chose her because right. they had a similar thing so if he's actually showing her what's happened yeah maybe um, that was never really explained yeah I mean it's not like so far-fetched that I don't believe it but I do think it's a little bit sloppy <laughs> of like why you well, why why aren't more students seeing this if it's a regular poltergeist yeah. thing or whatever well, what I was wondering is, does this happen every year during the Sadie Hawkins days? Yeah, like, I was why wondering is it that just too. just happening now? When this happened in 1955, this is the first time this yeah, is manifesting? I don't know. It is buy weird. It. Maybe it was the first time they had a Sadie Unless Hawkins dance since the f- then. Or it's the first time it's manifesting because because of what just happened because with of Angel Buffy. and Buffy. This ghost is identifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's all I could think of. I buy like, that. But it is weird. It's yeah. I, it's clear that I don't. I think it's clear that it hasn't been happening because when Willow looks at the school shooting, she would have seen something else if this happened once a year. Plus, they would all remember. Right? Does someone so. get shot every year around the Sadie Hawkins dance? Like yeah. that's kind of weird. And so I, I think it's more that the spirit was mm-hmm. like, Waiting. "Oh, I have someone who understands now." And then I think it was more like he was, like he's. It's manifesting as really evil, but I think it's more like he was just trying to get their attention and like mm-hmm. get help. Is what I'm thinking. Um, it's, I mean, because, and I don't know that like the spirit's really in control of the way it acts out because like Giles was saying, he's stuck in this purgatory of reenacting this scenario again and again. And the only way he ever got out of it was by involving a non-dead person, a dead person in it who could live through the thing. Um, but had those situations been reversed, like it would have kept going. Like if Buffy had gotten shot. Right. And he would just be stuck forever. Uh, yeah. That's a good question. If he's... the Buffy and Angel scenario is the only mm-hmm. one that ever gets gender flipped. And I wonder mm-hmm. if it's because he chose Buffy to act out his part and anyone else, it would have just played out as normal. But then because of the twist of like Buffy's mm-hmm. um, romantic woes are with a dead person, it like helps. I mean, it's a neat trick for the writing, but I, it's, it's interesting because like up until that point, 
the scenarios playing out along standard gender lines. Like, yeah. the man's always the one with the gun, and then the woman's yeah. always the one that gets shot. I think... So. I, I don't think that the ghost knew Angel was undead and that this would work, you know? No, the ghost didn't even know Angel would show up because yeah. the ghost drew Buffy to the school... But then Angel says when he gets there that, like, he walked right through the wasps because they don't care about vampires. Right. But, like, it was it didn't part for him. Which is the other thing where I was yeah. like, okay, Angel is so hell... Like, he, like, Drusilla tells him Buffy's vulnerable, so mm-hmm. he decides to come to the school to attack her. But also, like, he's so hell-bent on doing this. Like, he sees a cloud of wasps around <laughs> the high school, and he's like, yep, that's normal. I'll just walk right through. Like, yeah. Or he just doesn't care what's going on. Like, I think he just really, doesn't care. To me, yeah. it was bizarre that, like, he even was just like... He doesn't make any note of, like, hey, what's going on? He's just like, oh, did you know that I could just walk right through wasps? I like, think maybe he maybe he was thinking that then she would be trapped there alone. And, maybe know, easier yeah. to attack or something. So the thing that I think was sloppy about this, I mean, I love I love this episode. When it got to the final this scene. This is one, when, I, okay, I feel yeah. like we're getting really nitpicky, and I'm fine with that because I'm, I have some very nitpicky notes, but I yeah. want to just say right now at the top that right, like, this is in my top ten list of Buffy For episodes. sure. Like, Same. And, it's and so good. When I was watching the final scene, you know, the, or the climax play out, right, where so... Throughout this throughout this episode, we see people literally repeat the same lines because they're repeating they're reliving this moment when this student you know the teacher broke up. I didn't really explain this part, but you know the teacher broke up with him as she should have. She should have never been doing this. Um, I mean, but it's... yeah, this a lot of questionable morals. <laughs> I, I don't think that they really yeah. act like it's a good thing, but they are a no, little bit. But this easy is a it, cautionary maybe. tale of don't date your teacher, K kids, or like... don't date your student. Um, yeah, well, that too. So she did try to break up ha- with him, though. Well, I'm, I know, but had she not done this in the first place, he, whatever. Yeah. That's not the argument I'm trying to make. But, They're both um, at fault. <laughs> well, mostly her, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you're the mature one in this situation. Yeah. You should know better. So she's, so the student has an affair with the teacher, and then she breaks up with him, at which point he had, you know, he brought a gun knowing this, or because she broke up with him earlier and he goes to confront her, I think it's that one. Um, yeah. Uh, I... So I'm getting off track. Uh, they basically what I'm saying is that so everybody has been repeating the same lines, right? So the first couple that we see, the janitor and the teacher, and then later Buffy and Angel. But like when they play out the scene, I mean, they really do a good. I I just think that they do a good job selling it. Like I really couldn't like I couldn't look away from the screen. I couldn't take notes because I was like, well, I just need to watch this emotional conversation that Buffy and Angel are going to have where they're literally repeating the lines that you've already heard a hundred times, but because not a hundred times, three times, but because we know, you know, about their history, it's just so effective. Like it really because is Because it good actually, because like, they have this, a, <clears throat> not a similar history, but they're, they're going through something similar of like, like Buffy, all like, the same like, words apply. Everyone, everyone says the lines, like you're saying, like we hear this like yeah. three or four times during the show. Mm-hmm. And, but Buffy gets to the line when she says, a person doesn't just wake up one day and stop yeah. loving someone. And it's like, I kind of went, Whew, because yeah, like, yeah. It, that's exactly what happened. Like it Angel is. woke up and stopped loving her because, yeah. you know, and it's like, and then she the whole time is like over identifying with James because, um, you know, he made this decision and it had the, and like he, well, I mean, I don't know why she's over identifying. I don't really feel like she was identifying with him. She was, well, she was being mad at him, him because he like yeah. shot her, but like also forgetting that like as the student, he's the vulnerable party. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, so, I don't forgive him. I'm on Buffy's side on this one. He should just be in jail. 
forever. But he died. Right. So no, I know, I know, I know. Had he not, I mean, that's what that's what they keep telling her is like he can't he can't pay for it. He's dead. So right. Um, but that she keeps saying like she's obviously conflating her own emotions of like she's not forgiving herself for what happened because True. she she's now saying she acted rashly and impulsively and in an act of right. passion and she's paying for it like because right. now we actually have a death that's happened and right um yeah that's but you're right point. i mean but yeah that's just, it, they just the do end. such a good job acting it yeah. or or it's just like such a good culmination of two seasons worth of emotions and background you know it's like one of those times when like watching a whole series really pays off like would this still be a cool episode if you had never seen anything else probably but like just knowing exactly what both of them are saying and how she's getting to finally hear all these things that she needed to hear from Angel specifically, right? Like, everybody else has told her that she's not at fault, but, like, then he's the one that ends up saying it to her. And how, like, pained he is about everything is just, like, it is exactly what she wanted, except it's not not exactly real, but it is real. Because as soon as... The spirits leave. Angel's like, oh, <laughs> what am I doing? But, I, I, but I, I do think that there is something about them being in the same situation that also just, I don't want to say makes the magic stronger, right? But, like, I do feel like it's it, it's still real. Angel still means those things. He's just ab- able to maybe be Angel again for a second instead of Angelus somehow. Yeah, well, he's, I, I mean, they're I not know. his words, but they're using the other people's words and they're getting this moment of catharsis he means out of them. it that, like, yeah. really, like, you need to hear. And, and, and also, you could argue, like, so in the next couple episodes is basically the finale where Buffy decides, yeah. like, she can, she can take on Angel and do this, and you have to wonder mm-hmm. if, like, this helps give her the closure in right. order to do that, right? Yeah. She's, she's confronted her emotional pain about it, and now she's yeah. like, I mean... You're right. You're totally right. Also, and that's so beautiful because that's the whole point of this episode. The monster of this episode is somebody who needs that catharsis so that they can move on. Like, this is why it works so well. So when we get into all the nitpicky things in, like, another minute, this is all to say, like, what a well-crafted episode, and I love it. Yeah, and I'm also so I want to know, um, because, you, because you mentioned the, the last scene there where they both are really just, like, acting the hell out of it, and it's really yeah. good. So this <clears> is another one of um, the episodes that was listed that Joss Whedon listed as one of his favorites that he didn't write, and um, mm-hmm. I'm not really going to read his words about it anymore, but um, <laughs> what, what's interesting about this, though, is that this is the episode that made him realize that David Boreanaz was good enough of an actor to carry his own show, and so this was the episode that made him start thinking about an Angel spinoff, mm-hmm. um, which I think you could see. I mean... I think so too. He's, I think he he, he did, did do good a good job in that last yeah. scene. So, I mean, yeah. and I think I think really he's pointing to a specific episode, but also I mean I think the entire Angelus arc, arc yeah. is really what's pointing. I mean, like he's dialing into like like you know anyone can kind of do the like tortured whiny kind of boyfriend thing, mm-hmm. but like he's having a blast playing evil, and yeah, um, I think like you could really argue it's all of that, but apparently this particular episode is what sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. So no, I think it's have, a good one to point to. We have this episode to thank for five seasons of Angel, I suppose. It's so funny too, though. I don't want to. I don't want to get off track for too long. But so, like when you were in town, we watched uh, Simply Irresistible, which is a movie <laughs> that Sarah Michelle Gellar starred in. It was like a rom com from the late nineties, or yeah, it must have been like ninety nine or so. And like honestly, one of the things. I mean, I'm really happy that we watched it. I loved it, <laughs> even though it was terrible. But one of the things that I kept thinking was like, oh, she's clearly just playing. She's she hasn't dropped any of the affect of Buffy, and it doesn't necessarily work for this storyline. So it's because just kind of how funny much because of that is actually Buffy, and how much of that is just her? Like, well, I think that's what a, but, the rarity of Cruel Intentions was was a rare performance by her where she clearly inhabited a whole other 
like character, whereas I feel like every other thing I've seen her in is like Buffy light. Interesting, because I actually do think, I guess that's that's what's kind of baffling to me, is like throughout Buffy, I feel like she does, she is a good actress, and I buy her performance, and I think in another person's hand, it wouldn't have been right. So it's just so funny, because I, I do think she's a good actress, I just think that was like a really bad, like I don't, I think she was phoning it in. Well, I we guess talked I'm just about saying a little bit like where... Like how you can see sometimes when actors can rise above bad material, or but like yeah. really that takes also good direction and all that. And I think I mean and an investment in we're it. We're not. I just want to just. I just want to make a PSA that I did not make you watch that movie because it's amazing. I made you watch it because it's oh, amazingly no, no, no. terrible. It is, and, and, and I as I it. told you, it was it's it. a yeah. gem of late '90s. Like let's cash in on WB oh, it is. popularity, and it's important for me to see things like that. It's important to me as a person to be more aware of other... Like, yeah, I am a huge Buffy fan, and I need to see everything Sarah Michelle Also, I just want to... It's a ridiculous movie, but I enjoy it every time I watch it. I enjoyed it a lot. (laughs) Anyway, I guess I just think it was notable. I I just thought it was so interesting watching that, how bad she was doing, when I think that she is actually capable of much more than that. So, like, for example, in this scene, granted... Is this like should she have won an Oscar for this? No, or an Emmy, but no. But like, I still think it was really a good performance. And again, like it, it, it does matter that there was all this season long build up to that moment because it just gave everything this extra weight. Yeah. Anyway, it's like the payoff. This is all a little bit scattered for, but, for episodes for them to finally yeah. be able to talk about like what happened and and they're not right. using their own words, but in a way that yeah. doesn't matter. So. You know, that's a great point because they're never going to, basically, they're never going to get to talk about it. Well, maybe before it the happens end, Before the end of the season. No, no, no. But I'm saying you're right, though, that this is the only time. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Transformation before the finale right. that she's going to be able to talk to him about it at all. Because yeah. obviously he's, as Angelus, he's not going to talk to her about this stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, as Angelus, oh, like he that. thinks what happened to him is like really freaking cool. So. Yeah. <laughs> he's finally free in his mind. Um. So with all of that, like. Yeah, I have I love have for one... this episode out there. Oh, okay. Well, oh, okay. My, no, yeah. I think I'm done talking about the emotional angles of this. Other than, yeah. Do you want to talk about the Giles stuff? No, not yet, because I want to still talk okay. about the ghosts. Because I think oh, this, okay. this is the thing that I think is is poorly handled in the episode, though, is that it seems as though for most of the episode that James is the only one doing the possessing, and yet somehow at the end, because again, I was I was yeah, I even said this to Alex. I was like, no, 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 it's just James. Like, why? Because he's like, oh, why would the teacher forgive? forgive him, you know, for this thing or whatever. And I was kind of like, well, it's just him. If he's the only one haunting everybody, then yeah, he can make it play out however he wanted it to. You know what I mean? But then by the end of the episode, everybody has saying things that make it clear that it was both of them. No, they're both I possessed. Guess I that, like both actors in the scenario are always they're possessed, possessed by two different spirits. No, and no, I think they're but both I'm saying, I'm saying I don't think it was clear that both of the spirits were there because they've only talked about how it was James the whole time. And then at the end... For that, for that to play out, it had to have been another. No, I, I think. They, I guess I don't think. It, I don't think it had to be. I think they should have just. No, made it I James think that they talk and, about but, it being James because he's the one that killed her, and so they assume <clears throat> that because the spirit is getting yeah. violent, that it's him. But I think the fact that they never, it never occurs to them that the fact that two people are always in the scenario and being possessed by mm-hmm. two different spirits essentially or that's what it seems to be unless you're right like it could just be james possessing both to i guess this is just one time when i wish they had hit it a little bit more on the head at the end where they've been spent the whole episode telling you it's one ghost and then only at the end they all casually refer to it as two and like i feel like i just needed them to draw that connection um i guess the other question that i have is that because it's not clear we don't actually see the shooting until 
towards the very end, I think the implication is that he his finger slipped and that he didn't actually mean to kill her. I mean, he meant to kill her in the sense right. that he brought a gun to confront her, but I guess it was an accident. But I think that that also is something that is like, I, I know I get what they're going for, and I think it's that so that you can, as an audience, not feel so guilty for her forgiving him, but I, I'm not sure that was necessary. I don't know. I guess I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I think it's interesting that they're trying to make it a little bit more of an accident, but... At the same time, like he brought a gun there to confront her with the intention of killing her, so it's I'm not sure an accident it totally that checks out. The gun you know? went off, but he had an yeah. intention. Like, His intentions like, were there, but whether he was able to like carry it out or not. But I do think you're right; yeah. it doesn't really matter because he brought he's, he brought the gun. So I mean, it matters, but it doesn't yeah. matter. It's just kind of a weird extra um, layer that they throw in at the end that we weren't aware of the whole time. I, I don't know. I do want to talk about the gun though, because okay. this is the one hangup I really have with this whole thing is like. How is this gun being used to kill people? Because it's a ghost gun. Like, it just appears, well, and then it disappears. And so the what's never really uh, made explicit is... So they act out this scene. They go to the balcony, and mm-hmm. the, the gun goes off, and then the body always falls off the balcony. So are these people actually getting shot or are they falling off the balcony and that's what's killing them? Because I think they get shot and then fall. But how do they get shot? shot Like, does the bullet disappear? Like, what? So this doesn't make any sense. Like, it's a good question, but I'll tell you that another thing, this is another, this, now that you're saying this, it, it makes sense with another question that I had, which is that in the earlier haunting, so it's kind of goes back and forth, right? Between like, there's a monster in Xander's locker, but then it's not there anymore. But with the snakes, the snakes show up and then the animal control has to come and, and yeah. take them. So like, they're real, they're real snakes. So I think that the gun is somewhere in between those two things. I don't think it's so crazy to think that it is real well, while it exists. I don't think it's a ghost gun. And other physical like it's not, manifestations. Yeah, like the I, floor it, sucking willow through and... Exactly. Like it's physically there. The wasps even if it, stay. Yeah. Yeah. It is confusing, but I think... Maybe this is an instance where it would have helped to have seen the movie Poltergeist, know, where they maybe yeah. give us more of an explanation of the of ghostly powers. That's clearly what they're referencing. And I, like a bad um, horror fan, have not seen it. Maybe I'll watch that I've tonight. seen parts of it, and I remember mm-hmm. I came home one day, and my this was when I was living in Boston, and my roommate was watching Poltergeist. And I was uh, always like worried that like I shouldn't watch this movie because I don't really like horror like it scares me Mm -hmm. and but Mm -hmm. I literally like walked in my living room and I looked at the tv and I like burst out laughing like I was like what Mm -hmm. what is happening and she was like no it's scary and I was like uh I don't like there's some really bad special effects but I think if you see but I have the opposite reaction I caught a tiny bit of it when I was pretty young on tv and then like ever since then I was kind of like well I think I don't want to watch that because I think I'll be too scared but I was I was young. But you're right. Like maybe but. there's more of an explanation of like the physical mechanics of like mm-hmm. a poltergeist haunting because honestly that's what was tripping me up a little bit was I was like yeah. how is it seems, this possible? Yeah, it seems to go back and forth. Um, okay, so but yeah, so moving on maybe to Giles and his poor poor Giles. Giles doesn't get so, the catharsis that he's hoping for. And no, I think so this is where we sad. see. Like, it's never really that explicit, but this is where we see, obviously, Giles still grieving for Jenny because, yeah. like, we don't really address it too much in the previous episode. Like, Joy- Joyce kind of mentions, like, hey, I'm really sorry to hear about that teacher. Um, yeah. But we never really get Giles, like, dealing with the aftermath until this, where it's, like, Giles 
is so like he hear because he hears the teacher. This is why I think there's another thing where it's two spirits because he hears a woman's voice say, "I need you," and so oh, he thinks I don't that, think I and that's that. the same okay. thing that James says to Buffy at the end when he gets yeah. to come to the school. So either it's James in two different impersonations or it's the uh-huh. female teacher, but but he thinks it's Miss Calendar, and so after that, Giles becomes convinced that. It's Jenny acting out and trying to, like, reach them. Uh, like, in mm-hmm. the face of any evidence to the contrary, like, where it's, like, right. clearly these these are very, like, as Willow says, this is a very specific haunting. Like, this gun yeah. scenario keeps playing out. Like, it's yeah. obviously tied to something else, but Giles is, like, no. Like, he, he latches well, on to this idea that it's Jenny's spirit, someone who died violently in the school, and um, although why they know at this point that she died in the school, I don't know. But, um he but but we get a change of Giles is usually Mr. Books like Mr. like let's yeah. research let's figure out and know what happens and like Willow's yeah. trying to gently suggest like hey this doesn't really fit the pattern like maybe it's not her and then Giles is like well Willow you know you don't know what you're talking about like this yeah. is yeah. like I'm smarter than you I'm more experienced I yeah. know what's gonna happen and like he's basically just like to the point where like Willow just takes over and like is leading the charge on trying to contain this spirit yeah. and and they kind of like Giles like encounters them wandering around the school and basically is like well carry on I'm gonna keep trying to like conjure yeah. Jenny's spirit like it's, it's and not until Willow gets attacked yeah. does he finally snap out of it well um, Willow kind of points it's out interesting. Like, it can't be her because this is obviously a she very wouldn't mean do this. yeah yeah yeah, but I, I, that's interesting, too, because it's really then the second or third time that we've seen Giles lose it about this thing and not be able to behave, you know, in kind of his normal, rational way. Because it was the same thing when she died, when Jenny died, and he goes to attack Angel, knowing full well that he can't take him on, that he's going to get killed. But, um, yeah, or that is Or he did a similar thing with the whole Mark of Igon thing, where he kind of went yeah. off on his own and right. was just counting their help, but or didn't even let them know. But this, I think, is just like, he's just grieving, and he's so badly totally, wants it yeah. to be her that he's got his blinders on, and he's, and, until yeah. he has to, he's forced to kind of wake up and realize it's something else. But, yeah. Um, and it's just so sad, because we see Giles it suffering, is. but he's kind of having to go through it in this alone and in this other way because this is the tragedy too of angel killing miss calendar is like this horrible thing happened but like they can't they can't pause and grieve because they have to right because like, there's more coming the next attack and like you know yeah be on the alert and so yeah um, that's a great point it's really sad oh um but i think this is a nice segue into then the flip not the flip side i don't want to make this I don't want to necessarily tie these things two together, but you kind of said it already that because Giles is, is floundering, Willow is the one that has to take over. And this is really one of the first episodes where Willow just like totally blossoms and does everything. You know, we see her at the beginning of the episode doing, leading Miss Calendar's class successfully. Like she's making the students laugh and she's teaching them good things. And she's going into Miss Calendar's files and learning about witchcraft and learning about paganism or whatever. And then, you know, yeah, once they, once, once Giles is clearly not going to be in the right state of mind to help them, she's the one who figures out how they can trap the ghost, you know, puts together a little spell, and she, she really does everything this episode. Well, and um, it's interesting that the way she does it, too, is so Willow's normal MO, too, is, like, you know, baby Giles. Like, I'm going to go on the computer and, like, look stuff up, and I'm going to do research. But, no, this is, like, she's been digging through Miss Calendar's files and this is where we first see Willow's interest in witchcraft kind of spark yeah. and so she's yeah. definitely like like every solution she comes up with for this is not well let's hit the books and see what it is it's like I can go through her files and find a spell or I can I can right. make you this magical you know 
protection thing or whatever. Heck or it. Spatula <laughs> or whatever they called. they called it. Spatula. Yeah. Yeah. Um, spatula. <laughs> yeah. And then, or, but her solution is always magic. And this is the first time we see Willow kind of like getting interested in this. And she's clearly mm-hmm. very interested in like eager to just explore it. And, and Giles is a little bit like, oh, okay. But like he, he's not kind of telling her like, hey, maybe don't lean on magic yeah. for all of this. Yeah. Um, you know, well, and then, how could he know? I mean, well, he's not really in the position <laughs> to do that. Um, and, yeah, it's, like, it's kind of interesting the way. So we kind of see Willow becoming, like, stepping into Miss Calendar's role of, like, teaching her classes, but also kind of being the character who can be like, oh, well, there's some magic solution to this or something. Yeah. Um, it's not quite conjuring, like, a um, virtual coven to expel a demon or whatever that she did in the first season. But, um Right. No, it was really interesting. And um, we see Snyder come and um, ask her to continue. No, that's the next episode. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting um, very confused. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, maybe I, but, maybe but, I yeah, messed up part is, of that too then. But no, it's just but nice to see Willow. You know, like we've always been talking about her in this. Like we know that she's a nerd and she's a little bit of an outcast, but she's never really let it affect her. It, see, it seems like she's never really let it affect her too much. And it's nice. I think this is kind of a nice turning point of like, again, like, is she still kind of in the weird crowd? Yeah. But like, she seems so even more self-assured than she was before, you know, and it's like, she's the one with a stable relationship. She's the one doing well in school. She's the one figuring out how to beat these demons. Like she's just well, really, is, this is like a good moment of, for her. Yeah. And we always kind of say that Willow's like MVP, right? Like she's the one who's like yeah. calling everyone on their bullshit and like kind of like mm-hmm. snapping everyone out of it and saying, let's focus. And like, she's always kind mm-hmm. of the driving force. But like, this is the first time we really see her like taking the lead and like explicitly yeah. doing that. We're like, Giles is incapacitated by grief essentially yeah. and or off on his wild goose chase. And Willow's like noticing the situation and saying, okay, well we have to do something. And I think it's, interesting to know also that like Buffy's a little bit sidelined in this as well because yeah. she's um haunted by this ghost and she's also very much emotionally um sort of thrown by it like she identifies with mm-hmm. like the scenario or is very angry by it she's not really thinking in her leadership mode and so we see Willow mm-hmm. take the lead in the group and we see the group follow her like yeah you know, Xander and Cordelia, Cordelia are like yes sir yeah. and bu- even Buffy yeah, is kind of like totally. well I don't have any better ideas and I'm not in the state to think about it and this is also a ghost right. it's not something she can like physically fight right yeah yeah Willow um, really blossoms in this episode I would agree with she that. does um, and also now, just because you reminded me of it, like also as per usual, Cordelia is my favorite in the background. Oh Literally everything she said had me rolling, but like when they get to the end and they all, so they have all, you know, located themselves around the school. And at the same time, they're supposed to say the same spell where they like expel a ghost or whatever. I totally. Cordelia, I totally <laughs> expel this ghost. Cause she's like so mad that it's shown her this version of herself where her face is all mauled. Yeah. Uh, just something about that. She like, again, like she just nailed that delivery, like. It could have sounded stupid, but it was hilarious. And she's also earlier in the episode talking about organizing a boycott to the Sadie Hawkins dance. Yeah, so I guess Cordelia... Do the girls have to ask the boys to this dance? And pay and everything? I guess Cordelia didn't ask Xander to the dance then. (laughs) (laughs) Do I wish Cordelia were more enlightened? Yes, but is she hilarious? Yes. (laughs) But, so I thought this episode was also really funny. Like, there were just a lot of good jokes here and there. Um, Like, anything Cordelia, basically... Um, but like when um, Willow says like the, what does she say like the not the final solution the um, that's uh, no. she does say final solution and no, I thought she that says was a like weird the, choice of words no the, no no she literally says that oh because I thought oh no that's Willow Willow says that 
But but then Xander, I forget what she says, but then Xander's like, nuke the school? And, like, I almost did a yeah. take. Like, yeah. she's talking about, like, exorcism or whatever. But um, Right. No, I don't remember what she said. It wasn't... Final Solution is, like, Hitler's thing, but... I know. It is. That's what Willow said that. Did she, and I was like, why... This is a weird choice for the show's only Jewish character to say that, but... I thought she said the, like, the, the... She said multiple things, but she definitely said that. Not the nuclear option, the, like... Uh, it's bothering me now. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't write down that part of it. Anyway. Um, um, oh, Cordelia is like, I shall totally confront and expel all evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which um, really, they, they didn't do that. They really just pissed it off, like, a lot. <laughs> it's true. That I was thinking that, like, ultimately their exorcism wasn't really successful, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it sure is easy to break into this school. I mean. It's like, this is all happening at midnight. This, when they first go in this there. This is why I don't understand how Jenny couldn't get out of the school because it's exactly. never locked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, um. Also, so we get a little sidebar time with the vampires. Um, mm-hmm. But really, so basically it's just to see like Drusilla get a vision and have Angel go to the school. But I don't know about you, but the only question I really had is where is Mr. Sunshine? <laughs> He's been eaten by now. I probably, I suppose. I suspect. But yeah. Drew was kind of treating him like a little pet. So <laughs> It's true. Um, well, that's a great point, too, though. Because, so not only in this, with this episode, in addition to being, like, emotionally resonant, I think, uh, there's all these big reveals. Like, subtle ones, but big ones, right? Like, the, we find out about the mayor. Uh, Willow gets her first introduction to witchcraft. And then also we find out that Spike is healed yes. up now. Also, and then so he starts, it is like, kind of a lot of big things happening in the background. At the end, and I'm like, how are you going to keep up your ruse of being in your wheelchair if you've kicked it? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, buddy. It's think true. Ahead. Yeah. And I don't think they're paying that much attention. Also, how sad is it? I mean, they don't really, you know, again, like sometimes the show does kind of deal with stuff like this, but in this case, they don't. That like that teacher really did die in the middle of the episode. When and the they janitor just gloss right over it. Yeah. Like, and that poor janitor now has to live with himself not being completely being completely not in control of himself. Well, this is what I wonder. Does he actually get charged with murder? Because I don't how know. How unfair. Like 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 what's I the defense that like, Giles goes into court and says, "Well, actually, this man was possessed by a poltergeist." I mean, like exactly. how does that hold up in court? I mean, I guess the fact that there's no gun is going to help a little bit, but yeah. Um yeah, I interesting guess it's true. Also, they can't tie him to a murder weapon. <clears throat> and Giles is probably not going to like testify against him because he knows it's not this poor man's fault. But this man knows that he shot right. someone. Yeah. Um, also, just in the segue into lots of somewhat notable uh, faces in the backgrounds of these episodes, the janitor is played by an actor whose name I was too lazy to look up, but he is one of the leads in Deadwood, which I've been rewatch or I've been watching for the first time recently. It's like that's kind of funny. And uh, the woman that plays the t- <laughs> the teacher that he shoots, uh, she's also in Christmas Vacation, which is one of my family's favorite Christmas movies. So I've just like I was like, oh my god, that's what's her face, Catherine. Um, she makes the really terrible Christmas turkey for the whole family, where she hasn't uh, she hasn't taken any of the innards out, so she just cooked the whole turkey whole. <laughs> uh, anyway, wait, is that those are just weird is that the one that then is like desiccated when it like gets served? Uh, yeah, like they cut it open and it's like oh, all the bones and all of the stomach and all of the everything are in it. But it's also like, like basically ashes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
No, I didn't. Any, I anyway. Everyone looked kind of familiar in this episode, but compared to the next episode, the my recognition no, yeah. rate was very low. The next episode, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, it's so and so. Oh my god, it's so and so. So on that note, maybe we move into go fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I just want to say one more thing about I only have eyes for you is like, it's almost mm. a. It's almost a monster of the week episode, but it's so. I don't like because it doesn't really carry. The, the serialized plot forward in any way, but emotionally mm-hmm. it gives you, it's just lovely right. the way they tie it into the it emotion. Is. Like it's like, here's a monster of the week, it but just, we're going to tie yeah. it emotionally into this ongoing arc. And it's a really right. lovely episode of, you know, showing what you can really do with this. And, um, yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's, I think also one where it doesn't feel very, metaphorical to the high school experience because we right. do have okay it's a student and a teacher relationship but as we've talked about before mm. that's ridiculous almost never like actually a real thing yeah. uh, that anyone would identify with um and it's a very but it seems like a very adult kind of thing that's happening like you know these adult couples are mostly playing out this scenario and this whole it's Buffy and Angels yeah. kind of thing we get Giles dealing with Jenny, but it's more like these characters are. It's like more of like they're not grief counseling, but like you know yeah. they're having. But to it's not. A high, it's not a traditional high school metaphor like, of like puberty's hard. Here's how right. we show that. Like it takes place in the high yeah. school, but it's not. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting, but I think emotionally works it is. really well. No, you're right, and I, what I actually like a lot about what you said is it's like that's interesting because it doesn't move the serialized plot forward exactly, but like what we were talking about earlier is like it's so important for Buffy to have this moment so that she can move on. So it is sort of part of the serial, but I like, I like what you're saying about how like it's not, but it is. I don't know. Yeah. It's well, just it's rare like, that somebody chooses to move something along with purely emotion as opposed to like actual plot. Well, and I have to think that that was probably points. on purpose because we're four right now. Yeah. We're what two episodes out from the finale and you, yeah. know, you can't move too much forward without ruining the finale. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good choice I think to like try to move this, forward emotionally and um yeah less so like yeah. plot wise um that's just so yeah. clever and then we get yeah <laughs> it, i mean it is it's i mean that's but i think that's that's a mark of good shows is like you've established your mm-hmm. characters well enough that you can play around with them in this way and not necessarily have to throw mm-hmm. a bunch of plot at them um right. I mean, this is a very self-contained hour of like they've got one problem and they've got to fix it but it kind of ties in with so much. I don't know. I'm like, I'm always Marvel. I yeah. really love this episode, I have to say. Um, Me too. So moving on okay. to, to so Go Fish. So why don't you tell us about Fish? Which is just a breather of an episode in between before we get it into is. the seriousness of the finale. This is a silly, silly episode. But I actually really love it. <laughs> I really liked it. Well, I mean, silly, but still a lot of horrible things are going on. But it's yeah, it's it's basically Buffy the Vampire Slayer's PSA against steroid use. So, <laughs> um, which I, I think could that. be the summary, but I'll I'll try to go a little bit more into it. So, um, we find out that the Sunnydale swim team is actually winning winning meets and doing really mm-hmm. well, and so we open up with the gang at a bonfire celebrating the swim team. Um, and they generally seem like some of them seem like cool guys, and some of them just seem like jerks. But then. Very slowly over the course of the episode, um, it becomes apparent that either, well, they, they think some monster is, like, haunting the swim team. So they find carcasses, essentially, of the swim team. Um, well, not so much carcasses as, like, skin of the swim team. 
like lying around. So they think it's some demon who's like eating everything but the skin. Um, and so Buffy and the gang decide to investigate. So um, Buffy starts shadowing um, one of the players and Xander joins the swim team and um, they, they find out that actually what's happening is the coach is drugging the team with this like steroid mix that actually turns them into these fish creatures. And um, so they basically, basically, it, mm-hmm. it, well, I think some of the individual players are kind of like villains in this, but mostly it turns out that the coach is the bad guy that they've got to kind because he's, he's basically win at all costs. I'm going to, okay, yeah. so too bad some of my players turned into fish monsters, but we're going to keep going because I got to win. And um, basically, long story short, yeah. Buffy like fights the coach and um, yeah. Xander gets some plasma transfusions and it's, it's all good. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's a slight, it's a slight episode. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> super involved, but there's good. a lot of fun that's happening in here. So, um, we could talk about all of that, but basically, yeah, it's like swim team turns into yeah. monsters. Buffy fights the coach. The end. Well, and in the meantime, we get a lot of late nineties, early two yeah. thousands <clears throat> cameos. I think that's interesting. Cameos, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of heartthrobs, teen heartthrobs from this era. Um, I think I, I, I always think of this as a Xander-centric episode. Even though he's not exactly the focus, he does get a lot of play in it. Um, and I have to say that this, for all of my griping about him, like, this was one where I feel like they did it really well. And throughout the episode, like, we kept laughing at everything Xander said. And I think it was, like, it was just, like, a... A lot of times the jokes that they write for him are somehow girl-based like he's making a joke about sex or he's making a joke about something. And in this episode, all of his jokes had nothing to do with that. And they were so funny. And so it was just like, ugh, this is where I think, I just wish yeah. they would always kind of angle it this way because he can be really charming, you know? And, and I like that he took it up. He fought, you know, this is one of the few times that he really comes up with his own solution to this problem, which is like, well, Buffy can only watch the boys, you know, swim team so many hours a day. I'll be with them the rest of the time. And he just like on his own joins the swim team and makes it, I don't know. It's just like, um, so that moment when he's explaining to them about, okay, so first of all, we get this great scene of Xander strutting into the pool deck, like in a speedo. And then once he realizes like his friends yeah. and Cordelia, yeah. are there, he's like suddenly very self-conscious <laughs> about scene. what he's wearing. But we get this great moment of like Cordelia realizing she's dating someone <laughs> on the swim team and she's like so thrilled about it. Well, first she thinks he's like pretending, yeah. and she's like, "Yeah, then she thinks he's Why super are you doing hot. this?" And then she realizes he made the swim team, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And then we get this great well, moment are. of she is like they all are, like Buffy but and Willow that, and she's Cordelia, just and then him. they realize it's Xander, and then there's this hilarious yeah. moment yeah. where Xander's explaining what he's up to, and he's like, "Yeah, so I can, I can be around them when Buffy can't," and Willow just blurts out, "When you're nude." <laughs> But she says it in this, like, excited, thrilled way. Yeah. Of, like, she's imagining this. And she's like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just, it was a good, it's a good Xander episode. It's one of the only Xander ones that I like. Um, but it's funny that you said this. I mean, it is, I understand that this Whoa. is a light episode and it's really silly. But, like, every man, single the thing the coach says, Jesus. Were just, like, oppressive. You know, the, every single line. And it's, like... Every single thing the coach says, every single thing that the teammates say, everything that Buffy has to endure, and it is really annoying because, like, what I hate about something like this oh, is, they, like... but they get said. A lot of these lines were really cliche, but, like, 
boy, oh boy, does this still feel true? Like, boy, oh boy, does this still feel like a thing that needs to be discussed? Like, and it's so frustrating to be like, I should be, la- I should be laughing at this episode for how silly this is, but yeah. And then like the boys make, uh, you know, are mad at her for leading them on when she's like literally done nothing except listen patiently to his boring stories about swimming. Like, it's just a lot. It was awful. And the, at the end of it, you know, the coach is going to throw her in there as he explains, like, well, the boys have already been fed, so you're there for something else. Like, that guy just has no qualms. Well, and there's also this suggestion that at least for the players, they're acting like this because it's a side effect of the concoction. Yeah, because they, they constantly refer to, like, oh, no wonder they've oh, been acting like this. I don't think I really put that like together. They kind of imply that. Mm. I mean, I'm not, not, not going to say you're that, right. like, you right. wouldn't act like this anyway, but I think the level at which they're going is because of whatever they're no, on. No, 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 that's the interesting, coach is another yeah. matter. He's... You're right that when they get their when they get their medical records and they're like, oh, yeah, they've all had these incidents recently that make it look like they've been using steroids. Um, that's a good point. So let's talk about these cameos. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've got, uh, let's see. I'm, well, first, I'm going to start with the first guy. So the one that Buffy, like, attacks in the car. Um, uh-huh. Which that's uh, yeah, a great scene because he's him, just I don't like, know who he is. oh wait, you're asking for it, blah blah blah, and she literally just like casually like shoves his head in the steering wheel, like barely yeah, like moves. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. do you remember in season one where Cordelia had this like boyfriend that died, and I was like, oh, he was on Sweet Valley High, the TV show, and he played Todd mm-hmm. Wilkins. So. This guy, this swim team guy, he also played Todd Wilkins, and I believe he's Todd uh-huh. 2.0. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> I was like, really now funny. both Todds from Sweet Valley High have been on Buffy. <laughs> that was that was my recognition. I was like, oh my god, it's Todd Wilkins. Um, but then we also get Wentworth Miller. Wentworth Miller, yeah, <laughs> of Prison Break he's super fame, dreamy and too. for me also on The Flash, and um, mm. and he also wrote Stoker, which I never got a chance to oh, see. Oh, I didn't know that. He's like a hardcore nerd, um, I'm pretty sure. He's also kind of the way that like Vin, that the way that Vin Karen Diesel video. is. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But you know the way that Vin Diesel like plays D and D and is a super hardcore nerd oh. as well. Like, I'm pretty sure Wentworth Miller is in that. Um, Interesting. In that echelon of like, oh, you were just a weirdo this whole time. You just happen to be super hot. Yeah, but this is like baby Wentworth Miller. Like this is the youngest I've oh, ever he's seen. A little baby. Um, I did. I did really like Gage too. He was char. He was like less of just a sexist pig and more of just like a traditional slacker. Yeah. He was, and then he was also like, why are you following me? It's weird. And then as soon as she like saves him from Angel, he's like, wait up. Yeah. Um, And I love when he like waves at her from the pool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then we also get Shane West in the steam room. Shane West. So it's so funny. It's seriously like they were like, okay, who are the, and like all of these guys, like I think this was before Shane West did walk to remember and whatever else. I don't know that he's done too much since then. Um, Yeah. But it's just a wonderful snapshot of time. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Um, Also, Jonathan is in this episode, which always bears repeating. now. He does, yeah, and I think they named him. Well, they definitely did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely Because yeah. Willow goes on her uh, her interrogation later. And he peed in the uh, pool. But he peed in the pool. Oh, Jonathan. I did also think it was interesting, though, because when uh, Willow was questioning him, she kind of was like, oh, so you've been, you know, people have made fun of you, and they've done blah, 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 and so now you've armed yourself with magic to, like, get 
get back at them. And I was like, oh, <laughs> he will. He's you, gonna do you, that wait, later. what did she say? You conjured up a magical creature yeah, to. Yes. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Oh, this is so specific <laughs> and totally, like, completely works. Um, but yeah, I always love to see, I always love seeing Jonathan. Um, I also, again, just, this is the only, I don't know why this is the only one I wrote down. Cause I was literally laughing at everything that Xander said, but when they find out that the, you know, the, they think it's a monster and it's leaving behind just the skin and Xander's reaction is, yeah, the skin's the best part. Like, why would you leave it? Well, no, that I I giggled at Buffy's joke that Giles didn't get where she's like, maybe it's a demon with high cholesterol. (laughs) She's like, you're going to laugh about that later. I'm like, I'm already laughing. That is great. (laughs) Oh, but I do like seeing interrogation Willow. Yes. Because that's another thing that she's going to do again later in the next season. You know, they go on another interrogation and she really gets into it. I just really enjoy it. So this is where we were getting a little ahead of ourselves of talking about Willow, the teacher. So yeah, um, Gage is one of her students, and he's just, like you said, like just traditional slacker, like refusing to do homework, participate in class. Like he doesn't even show up for the tests. And we get a moment of Snyder telling Willow that the board has decided to keep her on full-time um, mm-hmm. as a teacher, which we can just gloss over any implausibilities sure. about that. Sure, makes um, Sure, you might have difficulty filling the position, but you don't need a licensed teacher. That makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, but we get Snyder leaning on her to be a team player and give him a D because otherwise yeah. he can't swim, which I thought that was kind of a low threshold for eligibility, but... Um, yeah, I'm not really, really sure what it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, so that's where we get kind of Willow blossoming into like this teacher role. So, yeah, yeah. Um, another person who had a, a secret skill in the background this whole time is that Cordelia was great at drawing. Yes. Who knew? I mean, Xander has to give her a description of the monster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not. We're not going to hang it in a museum, but it was much better than I could do. I mean, uh, that that, okay. that was a little bit weird to me because I was like, I see, like, they're trying to make it sound like she's like, oh, this is really hard. But then I'm like, wait, actually, this is a really good drawing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she just meant it was hard because Xander didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. Or he was so hemming and hawing. Uh, but I, again, like, did Cordelia steal my heart at the end of this episode? Yes, because not only is it, I, for whatever reason... I was totally charmed. I love that she gets to see her boyfriend as this, like, hot guy who everybody else would like and who's on the cool team. Because she's been with him this whole time, you know, suffering a little bit for it, I think it was really, it's cute to see that. But really, at the end, when she thinks he's turned into a fish, and then she's just like, well, we can still date, and I'll help improve your quality of life with, like, we'll get toys, bath toys. I'm like, Cordelia, this is the sweetest thing that's ever happened. Like, how nice is that, that she's not even going to leave her her dipshit boyfriend when he turns into a monster? I did I kind of know, awe man. at that. It was a really sweet It scene. is very sweet, yeah. Yeah, because she yeah. sees one of these monsters, <laughs> like, jump in the pool. <laughs> And she thinks it's Xander. Oh, yeah. Man. I loved that. It was so sweet. That's almost Oz-level commitment. Um, also, also at some point... I know, where was he? They couldn't afford him because they had to give Jonathan a speaking line. And That's Snyder, what I'm always looking Snyder. at. Like, yeah. <laughs> although, I also... Or not although, this has nothing to do with what we were talking about. I have to also agree with Xander's assessment of steam rooms and how they're silly, Ugh, I hate uh, going. So I Every time I go to the gym with as, someone, and they're yeah. like, oh, do you want to go to the steam room? And I'm like, no. No. I do not. <laughs> no. 
you sweat, you can't breathe, you can't read. <laughs> you could, but the pages look at all crinkly. Like, no, I also have no, no place for it. I spend all of my life trying not to sweat every moment. I'm not going <laughs> to go sit in a room where I can't breathe and I sweat a lot. Ugh. I mean, um, also, I don't really see the point of them. Like, I just feel like they're bacterial breeding grounds, but... Mm. Yeah, I agree. Just yeah. take a warm shower. Um, so this is a nice little palate cleanser before we get into the next two episodes. Yeah. Um, we do get a little reminder that Angel's still here where he tries to attack um, Wentworth Miller Gage. and doesn't yeah. like the blood. That's where they get an idea that there's something in the blood of these something players that it. might yeah. be turning them into fish. Um, also, yeah. all the no, fish jokes so- were wonderful. <laughs> it was also though so weird that like I get it, but is Angel literally standing outside the club waiting for anybody to say she sure is annoying I know. and then just chime in with oh is it you must be Muffy you must be Buffy I'm like lucky for you this guy did mean Buffy but like honestly how many people are having that conversation I'm it's just so waiting weird. for someone to walk out and be like no I meant Cordelia <laughs> yeah exactly or literally I meant Sue like what Angel people complain about people all the time yeah or this that Harmony sure is not a good person, yeah. like not a pleasant person. <laughs> um, I do also want to put this in my uh, list of charts that I've never made or will never make, but uh, this goes in my chart for episodes where sexism is the real villain. Yes. I want you to make these charts. Why, why are you teasing me with like fake charts? You love, <laughs> you love Excel and spreadsheets. You can do it. I know. It's true. Just- I should have started. I said I needed to already have the database because now I'm worried that I've missed stuff and that the only way to catch up will be to rewatch all these episodes again. <laughs> but I think you can kind of remember based on episodes, like what the thing Not, is. And then you've only got a season and a half to look true. back through. Well, for this chart, sure. But for the one where I mark down every time Buffy kills a vampire with something that's not a steak. Well, that, okay, I don't so have that time. speaking of that, in this episode, she like pulls out her hairpiece to like fight Angel. Oh yeah, and was it like a chopstick oh, right. or like what was that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, totally, it was. Like that's the only weapon passionate. she's carrying is a little chopstick in her hair. Come on, Buffy. Hey, it's all she needed. Well, I did once well, wonder we really if she that. could like use a chopstick to kill someone. So I think that she really. I I feel like they must do that at some point. I mean, whenever she goes out for Chinese food, she's going to have good weapons. Yeah. Um, But, like, Angel is clearly posing a a massive threat right now, and that's all she's carrying. Yeah, you're right. That was, like, in the other episode, too, though, in Passion, where it's like she's not paying attention to him. Yeah. She's just, like, got her lollipop walking down the street. Like, come on. Be on the alert. Constant vigilance. Yeah, exactly. And you learn nothing. She's not reading Um, Harry Potter, obviously. (laughs) No, clearly. Uh, Constant vigilance is my attitude to dust and cleaning in my apartment. What? (laughs) It's my motto for cleaning. Constant vigilance as soon as you see dirt. To her credit, I suppose at this point, if she were reading Harry Potter, we have not yet met Mad-Eye Moody in this time frame. No, we haven't. No, you're right. But still, that's very sloppy slaying. Yeah. (sighs) Um, okay, well, I think that's all that I have to say about Go Same. Fish. I really want to yeah. make a fun halibut joke, but I can't remember. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I do have a good recommendation this week, too, which you've already heard a little bit of. But Oh, wait. I uh, think I can second it, actually, if I know if you're saying Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, you go ahead. So 
this week, uh, I started watching The Bold yes. Type, which yes. is a show on Freeform, which is, a, that's what ABC, Fam- is ABC Family, right? It was, Freeform, yeah. they renamed themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's funny because I had seen one or two headlines just kind of like in my internet periphery about it, but I, I hadn't really thought anything about it. I wasn't planning on watching it, but you mentioned it when you were here. And to be honest, I thought you were recommending it to me, and then when I mentioned it to you yesterday and you're like oh so I should watch it and I was like oh well no because yes. I told you like I hadn't I hadn't watched it but I had heard good things about it because well one of the things was that the women on the show like rewear yeah. their clothes and like they, and they do yeah, yeah. I, de- I definitely noticed that but um okay so anyway so I just decided to watch it because I was out of like you know kind of background tv shows um mm-hmm. and and I just it just totally charmed me like I really like it I think it's not perfect but like It's kind of scratching the same itch that Younger does, except it's much better. (laughs) Like, it's less over the top. Like, so much about Younger is, like, I don't know. You know, Hilary Duff is, like, fine, but she's just so silly, and so is Sutton Foster. Like, the whole thing kind of always just feels like it's a big, like, gag. And then this one, it felt a lot more grounded, even though they still work in similar, like, in this one, they work in magazine publishing for a, a magazine that's basically cosmopolitan. I think that there's even some, like, the old editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan is the one who created the show, or it has some weird, like, ties to it, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, I just, I think the three, it's, it, the three main characters are three girls that all work in the magazine, they're all, you know, like, 25-ish, and at, like, starting to get to different junctures in their career, but I think their relationship with one another is just, like, really sweet and I like the way that they interact with each other and I think the thing that is really working for me in the show too is it's like their boss is played by the woman who played Jan in the office and she's just like super like she's really harsh and scary at first but then you realize over the course of the show that she's super supportive of all of them and it was just nice like it's just a nice thing to see like women supporting women in an office and just being good and like being harsh when you need to but also just being like whatever Anyway, so I got perfect, I got your text yesterday, like and then I <clears throat> watched two episodes yesterday, and mm-hmm. I would agree with you. Like, and and I will go back to this whole thing about Melora Hardin. The yes, she I love her. It's great, but also I, it occurred to me like I was like, oh my god, how refreshing! Of like, she's clearly someone who has gotten to her position, editor in chief of this magazine, for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's firm. She's like. Um, yeah. You know, she's driven, she's, like, harsh, kind of, but, like, she's also, mm-hmm. like, God, how easy would it be to turn her into, like, the Devil Wears Prada, like, make exactly. her the villain, yeah. but she's not. Like, she's she's just yeah. trying to help these girls, like, reach their potential and, like, stop being scared and, like, do all, and it's, like, she becomes mm-hmm. almost, like, this really harsh kind of mother figure, but, like, she's, or at least in totally. the two episodes I've seen, but, like, she, like, I was, like, how easy would it be to be, like, she's the absolute villain, but, like, she's so clearly not, and it's yeah. so nice. Yeah. And... And so then the villain is just, I mean, there's no villain at all, really. It's just all of them dealing with, like, adulthood and being a professional. Like, and they have real drama, but there's no... But I think what got me was the dialogue feels very real. Like, I feel like it sounds like real conversations. Like, I was actually laughing at some of the, like, stuff. It was like, I was like, they're not trying to make this, like... I think the thing with Younger is, like... Yes. They're trying to make this, this exactly like, conversation, like, a topic of conversation, and, like, they're, like, I hate this term, but they're going there, if you will. Yeah. And, like, this show basically <laughs> is doing stuff like that, too. I mean, the season two episode mm-hmm. was, And there's but, a lot more yeah, organic. But, but it, it yeah. feels more like, I could see this happening kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. That when they use buzzwords, it doesn't feel like an old person was like, I heard this is a thing teens say, so they're going to say lit. 
Like it feels more like it just felt more, more accurate. I will say that there was a part after the, I, I really like the first two. And then I kind of like had a one or two that I was like, wait, uh, maybe I should, maybe I don't like this, but it came back. And I ended up finishing it last night, partially because there's not that many episodes, which I didn't know. And also because I was sick. I stayed home sick last night and I did my puzzle and watched this show. So I will say <laughs> that I've only seen the first two episodes, but I watched like the first five minutes of the third episode. And when mm. she asks out that guy at the beginning, I did a little fist pump and I was like, wait, what? Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got really into this. <laughs> I also thought the finale was really good. I I didn't realize it was the finale until it was almost over. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I'm excited. Like I've been hearing decent things about it. And then that's why I mentioned it to you. But like now I'm actually excited that I did mention it to you because then you, it's a weird way of getting myself to watch it. Like you watched (laughs) it and then I was like, oh yeah, actually, yeah, I might check this out. And like, yeah, I'm, so I'm seconding your recommendation. It's really good. Yeah. It also feels slightly more realistic like, again, when I watch Younger, and I'm just like, nothing about this is the way that book publishing works. And granted, I don't work in magazine publishing, so, like, probably people watch this and are like, it's nothing like that. But it just, it feels like they do less crazy stunts about, like, getting the magazine to print. You know? I don't know. Something about that part also just felt a little bit more accurate. Is it 100% accurate? I'm sure it's not, but it felt a little bit more real. Yeah, is there, like, an event every week or something, like the party every episode kind of yeah. thing, which I fully blame Gossip Girl for, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, I don't necessarily have a pop culture recommendation, um, mm-hmm. unless I've already recommended Simply Irresistible. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you it's, can only watch that if you love 90s rom-coms or Sarah Michelle Gellar or both. Or wacky... <laughs> Stories about a chef cooking her feelings into the food or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a weird. It's a weird movie, but it is. It was very yeah. weird. Uh, it might be one of those things that you really only enjoy if you watched it when you were like twelve, and then like. Uh, no, no, no. Because I also enjoyed it, but I love okay. Sarah Michelle Gellar and I love '90s rom com. So I think, yes, you would like it if you watched it when you were younger, or if you have specific uh, retro tastes. <laughs> Okay, but what I was going to say, and this feels, I don't really want to put this as like a firm recommendation because it feels very (laughs) rude to recommend something that you can only access in one place, but... Oh. So it's, so we, I was in New York with visiting you last week, and we had two... Wait, so you talked about this one already. Did we? No, because we hadn't eaten there yet, I don't think. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about Upper Middle Bogey again. No, no, but I'm going to do two, okay. something a little bit okay. different and do two restaurant recommendations because... Oh, okay, yeah, definitely. Because we just had two meals that, like, blew me away. And and this is why I want to mm-hmm. be really careful because, like, obviously you can only access these if you <laughs> go to New York and eat in these restaurants. Yeah. But the, sh- the yeah. chef does have a cookbook out so you can cook a few mm-hmm. of these meals at home. I will probably eventually be purchasing that. But mostly I want to talk about the first meal we went to. We went to this mm-hmm. restaurant, this new restaurant called ABCV. And really this is just me putting out a PSA for eating your vegetables because yeah. <laughs> we just had a meal that was 100% vegetable focused. It oh, wasn't it was vegan, so good, but it was so good. Oh my God. Like we were all just mm-hmm. sitting there like, how did they do this with vegetables? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So the restaurant is called ABCV. And if you find yourself in New York and you're like, 
I've been eating all this garbage because there's a lot of delicious, bad-for-you food available on the streets of New York. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I really mm-hmm. need some vegetables. Like, I cannot recommend this place enough. And the reason I'm comfortable recommending it, it's not crazy expensive. Um, it's easy to share dishes with your friends. And from what we found, it was also easy to get into. So, Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was definitely less busy than the rest of their restaurants. Yeah. Um, we also ate at one of their other restaurants, ABC Kitchen, but I really want to tell people, if you find yourself in New York yeah. and you want some <clears throat> restaurant ideas, check out ABCV. It was good. Um, I did like it a lot. Because really, no, we I was were iffy to, on the desserts Well, at okay. both places. Just be I aware that a, they... eat a restaurant and get dessert later. Yeah, they, um, they aren't very clear whether the desserts are vegan or not until they drop it on the table and suddenly <laughs> announce it, and you're like, I did not mean to order this vegan mousse. Um, that was, yeah, that is, you're right. I do want to to warn you all about that but um really because I was trying to think back to my week I'm like what would I what like really stood out to me this week and like honestly it's that meal like oh so good yeah but I I feel a little bit like a jerk people about that too only eat at this restaurant that you have to go to New York for but um yeah I guess I can broaden it and say find a local vegetable centric restaurant near you and enjoy yourself Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and go home and watch the bold type so yeah (laughs) Did you have a second restaurant, or was that the one? Well, ABC Kitchen. I thought you said you had two. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, and okay. that's mostly because of their carrot salad. So, again, something with vegetables. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, crazy good. I'm like, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, I have one other side thing I want to plug for no other... Only because I started listening to it last night. Um, so I haven't really gotten that far into it. But you may recall that a long time ago, I, I told you that I really like this podcast called Snap Judgment. And the way that mm-hmm. I had gotten into it is because at Halloween, they do ghost stories so like every year in October they do these really just like amazing ghost stories like they're just really well produced they're like believable and I really love them um and so I found out I I saw this in my like podcast feed the other day but I kind of ignored it and then yesterday I was like oh my god they started just a spooked podcast like spooked is what they call it every year when they do the creepy ones but now it just has its own podcast and it's all just ghost stories I'm so excited. It's like a, it's like Christmas came early except for Halloween and it's ghost stories. I started listening to them last night. So again, I stayed home. Alice was out. And so I was just like watching the bold type and doing little chores and doing my puzzle. But I was also doing laundry. And so I was like listening to it when I was going up and down to the basement to do laundry. And then I like came back up at one point and I was like, you can't do this. You can't listen to these scary stories while you're alone in your apartment with like your back to anything. So I stopped in the middle of the episode. But the first half was very good. I will not be listening to that podcast. Yeah. It's not for you, but I'm so happy. I'm so happy. It's the best part of the whole show, and now it's got its own thing. It doesn't even sound Uh. like it's for you. You scared yourself in your own apartment. Well, yeah, that's true. You're right. (laughs) Listen to it when Alex is home and it's broad daylight. Yeah, exactly. Listen, I can listen to it on the train. No problem. (laughs) Yeah, until you get to the episode about the ghost train. Story about (laughs) exactly. You're like, is uh, that person sitting across from me real? <laughs> yeah, I know. There are probably going to be some like oh, that, too. Okay. <sighs> well, okay, okay. So next week we've got Becoming Parts 1 and 2, which I think uh. if you were to take a large cross-section of the Buffy viewing audience, this is widely mm-hmm. regarded as a favorite episode, favorite finale, favorite so many yeah. things. It is going to be an emotional roller coaster. It is. So I'm very excited. I'm I am as well. I I'm I have been waiting to talk about this episode for weeks. 
so excited. I'm, I was so I was so yeah. excited for like that split second where I thought we were gonna watch it together in New York, and then I realized it was two yeah. weeks ahead of schedule. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, okay, I bought so my season three DVDs, so I'm ready. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> cool. So I guess we're gonna go our uh, separate ways and and emotionally wreck yeah. ourselves, and then we'll come back and chat. <laughs> Okay. This week I'm Team Cordelia. Oh, I'm 100% Team Willow, man. She took okay, charge of that possession fair. and just went for it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.